the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The information on this show is not intended to be the primary basis for investment decisions and should not be used to provide financial advice. Please obtain the guidance of a financial professional regarding your particular financial concerns. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. This program reflects the views of Arif Halabi, California Insurance License 0B93792 of TFS Financial Insurance Services. TFS Financial Insurance Services, California Insurance License Number 0F22477, provides retirement income strategies using insurance and annuity products, which are guaranteed by the claims-paying ability of the issuing company. Financial security will help you live the life you dream. Learn about financial power, the total financial hour. Now higher income strategy. Learn from Arab Halabi. Hey there, welcome to the show. Thanks for staying with me. For those of you that are returning, I appreciate it. Look, we're talking about your family's finances. Uh, the first hour was about income because most of us, we know that. You know, life is not just about chunks of money. It's about having a reliable retirement income. We live better. We have more comfort, peace of mind when you know on the third of every month, the 10th of every month, whatever it is, a check is coming into your mailbox. I like that. 888 retire 888-997-3847. That's our phone number. Give us a call if you have a question or you want to pop in the office and have us review some of your stuff. And of course, today between Zoom and, and uh, FaceTime and all of that kind of stuff, we can certainly uh, take a look and see what we can do. All right. I'm talking about retiring outside of the United States. As of a year ago, that's the latest figures that we have available, 431,000 retired U.S. workers are overseas and collecting Social Security. Just under a half a million, probably right around that number. Now, that's a lot of different countries. It's not just one country. Some of you might think, oh, well, that's going to be Mexico or Canada because they're adjacent. Certainly, they have their lion's share. But it's the Philippines, it's Vietnam, it's Brazil, it's Britain and, and Germany and the Middle Eastern countries and on and on. It's all over the world. And the simple reason, if you will, the big picture is your dollar goes further there. And what's pretty important is for you to understand there is very little reliance on government when you are overseas. You know, think of it this way. Hurricane Katrina comes and you have people that are so helpless and homeless, they're standing on top of their roofs, they have no idea what to do. Now, I'm, I, I feel bad for them, I don't, so don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that, that you know, they, they're part of their own problem. I'm saying their, their ability to solve the problem, think independently, was removed from them. Right when coronavirus comes, they said, "Government, give me, give me checks, give me food." You could say a lot of things about the Mormon community, but I can tell you one thing: they are amazing when it comes to taking care of themselves. Listen, don't listen to me. Ronald Reagan said it. I remember this in one of his speeches. He talked about how the LDS community, their welfare system, if you will, wasn't just, "Hi, hey, I'm poor, give me food." It's okay, I'm poor. Great. What kind of work can you do? You can sweep up, you can reprogram computers, you can install light, light bulbs. I don't care. 
you have to work. And they teach you to be self-reliant. They teach you to realize that there's a day when it's just you, maybe, and your family, maybe. So my point is, Americans today are like, oh, government, I need student loan relief. Government, give me, oh, government, give me. And, well, do you realize the strings that come attached with that are, are today turning into ropes? And if you're in a foreign country, you realize the brokenness or the corruptness between city, state, and, and federal in many places. Of course, it's not in many cases overt, but you know that the electricity is going to go off 12 hours a day. So you get a generator, right? You, you know that the system is not built for you to sit at home and wait for a check to come to you. You have to be self-reliant. Well, nearly half a million Americans that have retired overseas are happy about that. They're getting Social Security checks. Now, those are just the ones getting Social Security checks. There are many others that are not receiving the checks for whatever reason, whether they're delaying it or maybe they just never qualified. But you need to know a couple of things. I'm going to give you some of the top spots that people are retiring overseas, but I want you to know a couple of things. When you retire overseas, the rules, the taxation, the uh, the benefits, they're not all the same in both different countries and in, in contrast to the United States. So you want to live accordingly. So, But I'll get to that in just a second. Here's what I want you to know. Here are some of the places. It's called the International Living Annual Global Retirement Index. Okay, It's where countries, where most countries, uh, where people are retiring, what they look like. What type of countries are they? What are their economic situations? What are their political scenarios? Right? Okay. So number one is Portugal. Now, I can tell you we've had two clients this year actually relocate to northern Portugal. They did it in the beginning of the year, January, February, and they relocated to like north, central north Portugal. Interesting. I've been there. I love it. It's a beautiful country. The people are amazing. And they chose to live there right close to the water, if not on the water, for the price of a regular home here. Okay, Panama. Now, Panama has become one of the top countries for people to retire, and here's why. They have a fairly secure government system. They have a democracy. They have a voting system that is relatively representative of the people. But in addition to all of that, they use the United States dollar. So when you go to grocery stores, everything is in the dollar. In fact, just like Ecuador and some... uh, Caribbean countries as well. So there's a handful, I think maybe 15 or 20 countries around the world that use the U.S. dollar as its currency. So whatever happens in the Federal Reserve, whatever happens in the Treasury or Washington, it trickles down and affects those those countries, economically speaking, as well. But see if you can tell what the common denominator is, or at least the similarity with these countries that I'm going over. So Panama is one. Costa Rica now, Costa Rica has its own currency and often inflates the currency, and so there's some struggles on occasion. But back to the I don't count on the government to be there or, or the electricity to always come, that's called just normal. right? We still have family in Lebanon. They say, well, look, of course, there just isn't enough electricity, electric grid, to power the entire country. So they say, you guys get it you know, 8 to 5, and I get it you know, 6 to midnight or something. They, they have to shift it around until they can afford and build an infrastructure. 
Next, Mexico. That's common sense. We share a border. A lot of Mexicans, uh, of, uh, Americans of Mexican descent are traveling back and forth. And a lot of them say, listen, I, I can buy land. I can build a house. I can go back to the, the town that I was born in or my relatives. So it's relatively close. Jump on a plane, drive a car a few hours, you're, you're back in the United States. So Mexico is a big one. Colombia. Now, we used to think, oh, the Medellin cartel and Bogota, Colombia and, and cocaine and drugs. Yes, that was the case. But we have an amazing history with Colombia, including, ready for this, including cleaning up a lot of the narco traffic. Of course, today there are some issues, but there are here in the United States. There's here in Southern California. So, so you have to look at this in the big picture. Colombia has become, especially in some of the mountain communities, a beyond beautiful place to retire. Mild climate, the people, the food. It's stunning. And a lot of the corruption... The narcotic uh, trafficking of the 70s and 80s and 80s and 90s, it's gone. So those are your top 20. Okay, so ready? I said, here's the, the question of the day. What is the common denominator? Yep, just like the TikTok. Ding, dong, ding, dong. What are we thinking it is? Simple, guys. It's a Hispanic. It's a Latin American culture. Now, maybe if we were closer to Asia, we might have Cambodia and Vietnam. We might have the Philippines. Certainly. We could have some Asian influence. But Spain, Portugal, Central America, South America, they have become, for the United States, that second best place to go and to be in a place where they speak English. I remember we were vacationing in a place in Mexico, and it I'll tell you what was stunning to me. We stayed in a, in a nicer hotel. I don't know if it wasn't the best of the best. It was a, a moderate, middle, mid-level hotel. And all of the food service people spoke English fluently. We got to know them a little bit. We talked. Some of them were educated in the United States. What, what struck me, because I had braces at the time, I was in my 40s having braces, is that all of them had braces, every one of them. And I thought, wow, I knew what I paid for braces. How about you guys? And they said, oh, yeah. They paid 10% of my cost for the braces. And I thought, wow, they're able to, to, to do the things that are just a little bit more outside of the necessity world. Right? Food, shelter, clothing, that's, nece- uh, that's, that's our necessities. But braces are not one of those. And I was just struck by the fact that how perfect their teeth were and, and how they cared for them. But here's the other part that was interesting to me. When I wanted to practice my Spanish, they wanted to just speak English. Because, of course, what did they want to practice? English. So it was interesting to see that in a place like Panama, and I've been there just a couple of times, it's about 46% lower to live there. Meaning, if you live on $2,000 a month today in Social Security here, in Panama it's equivalent to almost uh, $4,000 a month. And when you think about this, what do you look at? Well, it's pretty easy to get a visa there, which means the ability to live there, simply because you have to have money in the bank. Okay, it's not a lot, but if you sell your home here, that's more than enough. If you, you have to have some sort of guaranteed income, why? They don't want you to sit there and be a ward of the state. Very similar to what President Trump was trying to initiate here. If you're going to come to the United States, you want to live here, you have to show proof that you have money, that you have a skill that's needed, that you are not going to be a draw or drag on the welfare system or the medical system. 
Well, all of the Hispanic countries that I'm bringing up today and then some from Mexico to Costa Rica, they require you to come with a skill or with money in the bank. You have to open a, a bank account in the country and deposit 50000 a 100000 This is important because I think it's, well, right, what's good for them should be good for us or vice versa. You know, why is there a one-way street with it? I don't know the answer. But it's a beautiful place. There's mountains in Panama, beaches, cities, of course. Costa Rica, the same thing. A lot of the ecotourism, Costa Rica has set aside lots of their interior. I want to say it's like 60% of their country is set aside in some sort of national park or national um, uh, protective reserve of some sort. It's a huge percentage. And what it does is it gives them a chance to bring in that ecotourism. Costa Rica is beautiful. Now, what is the crime that occurs in, in these places? People, oh, it's riddled with crime. That's not the case. In fact, in Costa Rica, it wasn't until just recently that even the police didn't really carry guns there. There is no military in Costa Rica. They have law enforcement, and very few of them carried guns. They adopted a similar to the British model, which is the, you know, the bobbies on the street of London. They didn't carry firearms. What they carried instead were those big sticks, and they were required to be, I don't know if it was 5'10 or 6 foot tall, they were required to be taller. Then they added the hat, and they had a one or two inch lift on their, their shoes and their boots. No joke. That's why when you walk around the city of, of London, you see very tall men, maybe today women, of course, and their job is to keep order. Well, in Costa Rica, I thought this was interesting. You walk down the streets, and very few of them ever had firearms. And yet, there's not a bunch of people running around committing crime. Because the moment they caught you committing a crime, you disappeared for a while. So the idea is, well, it's probably not good to run afoul. And the community, the people, were very lovely. Law-abiding. They may not drive Mercedes and, and have uh, you know, paved parking lots that are, are perfect in their dimensions. But there was the level of respect that was wonderful there. That's Costa Rica. Okay, when we talk about Mexico, it's probably one of the most diverse economically and politically in the world. Massive corruption in some cities and states, what we would call a state. Massive amounts of narcotic trafficking, drug trafficking, criminal trafficking, uh, child trafficking. Horrible. Contrasted with some of the most beautiful Cities, mid-level cities. I don't like Mexico City, but the other cities are beautiful. The people that are just amazing and caring. Beach communities that are just second to none, really. So it's really a state or, or a nation that has a contrast between the Mexican presidents of past who used to do nothing but criticize the president of the United States. Remember that? Oh, the war. Heck no, we're not going to pay for the wall. You know, this and... Yeah, all you have to do is charge the folks that, that transfer money, right? It's not that difficult. You do it all across the board. If you're going to transfer money out of the United States into another country, we're going to take 3% of it. There's a 3% cost. When you go to Western Union or any of these telegram, uh, moneygram systems, 3%. How quickly will we pay for the wall? What did I, I think I did the math once. It was in less than two years we would pay for the entire wall. So there's a part of this that I want you to look at. Now, there's one Asian country that tends to pop up. I know you're thinking the Philippines, 
because we happen to have a lot of Philippine Americans in Southern California. I should say Americans of Philippine descent. But it's Malaysia. So you're going to retire overseas. What is it like? Again, we're back to about, ready for this, a one-bedroom apartment, which is really, by the way, what I would encourage. I would not encourage you to buy anything overseas for lots of reasons. There's a lot of rules. In fact, when you try to buy something overseas, the amount of costs and fees could be, in some cases, 25% more. So in other words, if you're buying something for 100000 by the time you pay your lawyer fees, your escrow, everything else, your cost is 125000 So I don't think that's a wise move. Plus the ability to, to sell it and the ownership rights that return back to the countrymen and the citizens, it's a difficult thing. Now, if you're there five years or 10 years and you decide, okay, this is my home forever, you know, maybe you would consider it. But I like the flexibility of rent. You want to live in the beach for six months and the mountains for six months. You want to live there for a year and travel around the country and then return back every few weeks, you can do that. You decide you want to pick up and go to another country in the region. The rental part of that, because the cost is so low, is a fantastic move. Now, I don't want you to keep money in a bank that is specifically in that country. This is not the format to teach you the banking laws of each and every country you choose to go. But let me be clear on this. They are not the same as the United States. Countries like Costa Rica, for example, have private banks and public banks. The private banks are literally that, a private bank. They go out of business. You're like, uh, but what about my money? Sorry. At least they say sorry. I mean, like, but I can't take sorry to the grocery store. Now, they don't always go out of business and they're not always bad. But what I like you to do is to have a small amount of money in that country and you transfer from your U.S.-based bank or credit union. Today, you can wire this money. Oh, wire a couple thousand dollars a month. Keep a couple thousand, I don't know, two, three, four thousand in country. No problem. But keeping money at home inside of the, the, the rental apartment or the home or keeping money in the bank inside of the country, in my opinion, is not a wise move. We've heard too many horror stories. I'd say just keep it in a U.S. bank with FDIC insurance. Keep it in a U.S. bank with regulators that are here where they can monitor and watch and there's no issues. Transfer once a year, once a week, once a month, whatever works better for you. Like uh, Panama, Ecuador... And, and Costa Rica, if you are an expat, so if you have a visa, it's called basically like a pensioner. They have a Spanish word for it, but it's a pensioner or a retiree. They give you a little card. And when you go to restaurants, when you go to the movie theater with certain grocery stores, you can receive a discount on many items because you're not a tourist or a short-term visa. The savings, again, could be 30 or 40 or 50% for the pensioners. Now, this is important for you to look at because I want retirement to be a time in your life where you just don't sit around in a rocking chair. But that window of time between when your grandchildren need you, right, when they're zero to five years old, zero to 10, you're in their life a lot. Mom and dad are working. They need some help. If that's, if that's the type of grandparent you need or want to be, then when the time comes between that and, let's say, college graduation – where you are still young enough to travel, that window of time is yours. 
where you can get up. You travel, get up and move, get up and travel around the world. Maybe that's the time where you live for six months overseas. Maybe that's the time when you spend time as a headquarters in in Asia and take cruise ships around. Of course, in the age of Corona, we'll fix all that in, you know, in six months, but it'll get back to normal eventually, some semblance of normal. But when you can own something on one of the islands, when you can live on the beach for 10% of what it costs to live on the beach in Southern California, maybe that's the answer for you. Now, here's some common sense things, but I, I, I say that, but we've had a client recently who did not follow this common sense rule, and I want you to pay attention to it. When you are overseas, you're not going to have flashy jewelry. A very simple, you might think it's just my diamond wedding ring. You understand that's two years worth of income or 10 years worth of income for some of those folks, right? Imagine for a minute, if your income in the United States is $100,000 a year. And somebody comes and they're renting one of your apartments, renting your back room or, or one of the guest houses, and they have a, a ring on their finger that's a million dollars. Now, you may think of them as arrogant, but a bad guy looks at them as opportunity, <laughs> as a victim. So keep your jewelry, anything beyond just the basics, away. Don't wear the fancy watches. <clears throat> Don't wear the fancy clothes that, that you might be proud to walk around Newport with Louis Vuitton or, or Gucci down uh, you know, Santa Monica or Culver City. I get it. But if you're going to be overseas where they might make two, three, five thousand dollars $5,000 a year in income and your handbag is four years worth of income, think twice about that because I want you to be respected there. I don't want you to be tone deaf. And a lot of Americans that travel overseas, they're tone deaf. They miss some of those cues. And we had somebody recently do this, and, and uh, she paid the price for it. Right? You're a victim. And you can't understand. You're like, what, doesn't everybody have a wedding ring with a diamond on it? Well, not there. There they have a gold band, and it's thin. It might be 20-karat gold or 18-karat gold because they do have generally higher quality of gold in a lot of these places, as opposed to Americans that are satisfactory uh, or satisfied with, with 14 karat gold. I get it. But let's think twice about that. It's a respect for them as well, right? And when you're traveling there, you have two places of money, right? Go to an airport and what do you see? You see a guy who has this waistband with, with money and his passport either around their neck and inside their shirt or this waistband with all their dollars sitting there as if as if nobody knows that it's there. You know, I, I would say, my, and my wife doesn't like me using this term, but I would say besides looking dorky, <laughs> you might want to say, uh, let's be a little bit more uh, maybe cautious, you know, incognito. And let's think twice if you're going to enter the world of other countries that you just have two different places for your money. You have a few dollars in your pocket, and, and you're worried about pickpocketing. You're worried about pulling it out to buy something. And, you know, you're taking out a dollar, but your, your wad of $250 or something, which to you might seem as not a lot of money, but to them it's, again, a month or two months of wages. Right? Think about somebody walking around in your neighborhood with fifteen dollars or $20,000 in, in their pocket. They go to buy a bottle of water 
right? They pull out a $100 bill. You would say, wow, that's some, something's wrong with that person or they're a drug dealer or something. Well, in your world, going with $200 and $300 and pulling out a dollar is the same kind of equivalence. So just be cautious, okay? Think twice. Put the rest of your money in another place. You're not going to touch it if you need to use it. You can go into a you know privacy of, a, of the restroom stall or, or go to a, your car, and then you can take out a dollar or two and move it to the other pocket. But the point is I want you to have that respect because if the goal is to live there like a normal person, right, like a, a local person, then you want to live accordingly. And last but not least, make sure you understand the taxation of that city and that country. Because a Roth IRA is not taxable in the United States, but it could be taxable in some of these other countries. And you may have to pay taxes in both places. So check with an international CPA before you go. Let me give you our number again, 888-99-RETIRE, 888-997-3847. That's how you get a hold of me if you have any questions, set up a phone appointment, you want to just talk, I'm here for you, 888-99-RETIRE. That's 888-997-3847. Thanks for listening being a part of our show. You go on and have a wonderful week. This is your place for news talk and information. It is The Answer. AM 870, KRLA. The Answer. Financial security will help you live the life you dream. Learn about financial power, the total financial hour. Now higher income strategy. Hey, welcome to the Total Financial Hour. I'm Eric Hallaby. Thanks for being with me this morning. Talking about your family's finances. Triple eight ninety nine retire. I want to give you that number because sometimes I forget. It's a good thing to have in front of you. I'll give it to you a couple more times. So triple eight ninety nine retire. That's 997-3847, 888-99-RETIRE. Okay, listen, your family's finances. Retirement is not just about a moment in time. For a lot of people, they think it's like a finish line, right? You get to the end of a finish line, you get to that marathon, you get to that place, and you're done. But it isn't that way, is it? You know, for a lot of people, remember, retirement is, as we talk about this journey, it's this moment in time when things change slightly, But I want to touch on things that I think should never change. And this is really a big deal when your family is still young enough. For a lot of you, you're retiring because you had kids at a young enough age. You can stop working, but you're not going to stop being involved in their life. You're still going to be taking them to maybe band practice or football practice. You're still involved with the late teens or early college years. Although you might be done working, you're still active. So I want to touch on a few things that I think are important you need to focus on through those retirement years because it's not a moment in time. It's a moment in which you never stop working. You're just not going to get paid for it anymore. Your family is counting on you to be there. They're counting on you to take a step in life. And when we start, about, uh, when we start talking about the different pensions that are out there and the different social security options, one of those is to remember that reliable retirement income. You've heard me talk before. When I say reliable retirement income, you've heard me talk about getting that consistent paycheck, no matter where you are. Now, you and your family have to remember that the paychecks should never end, and I like it when you spread it out throughout the year. So you're still working, you're still taking care of your kids, you're still going to do the day-to-day activities, but what you're doing that's different, which makes all the difference in the world, in my opinion, 
is you don't have the stress about next month's paycheck. You don't have the stress about, did we make bonus this year at my job, right? Companies from Disney to Boeing to uh, uh, pharmaceutical companies all across the board, upper management is paid bonuses. And as they are paid those bonuses, as they are paid that extra source of income, you might have used that to spend on the vacations or the travel or the home improvements. Well, remember, in retirement, that's just not going to happen anymore. So when I talk a, a few things that I want you to remember, remember, consulting is one of those, right? For a lot of you, whether it's consulting for your former company or, depending on your non-compete clauses, consulting for your competitors, right? You might have a pension still. You may have your retirement accounts that are still going to give you that monthly income check coming in. But those big expenses, well, maybe it's college, maybe it's that vacation home, maybe it's those extra dollars that you're going to want to have when you were traveling and you don't have to worry about touching your principal. Yeah, I like the consulting. Substitute teacher, a lot of you have master's degrees or, or PhDs. You can work at community colleges as an adjunct professor. You can work at some of these online universities. We're seeing whether it's University of Phoenix or University of Laverne. And today, believe it or not, just about every community college out there is having online courses as well. And with a master's degree, you're eligible to teach, whether it's on a temporary basis or a temporary to perm, uh, permanent. We see that on a consistent basis. For some of you, when we spoke about traveling or living abroad, guess what? You can still do that online, can't you? Now, what do you need to do that? Well, you need a good internet connection. Reliable electricity. Now, at first you're thinking, of course, reliable electricity. Who needs to have reliable? Well, that is a thing. You and your family have to understand that just because where you live now, the electricity only cuts out when, you know, Gavin Newsom says there's a storm coming or when, or when suddenly the wind blows, right? You're in the first world country and they shut off electricity when the wind blows. Surprise, we have underground utilities in most of these communities now. But because 5 or 20 or 50 miles away, the wind is blowing, they're going to have to shut down your electricity. I get it. You can't have online education. You can't have a business where you're working on a, on a video conferencing if you don't have reliable electricity. So my point, get a generator. Today, you can have a generator, $200, $500, depending on what you're plugging in. Maybe it's $2,000. But it allows for that ongoing ability to have, of course, the multiple sources of income in retirement, which is either consulting or whether it is uh, being abroad. Remember, even if you're in a country like Panama or Costa Rica, even if you're retiring in a place like Ecuador, you can have a generator, right? We covered that in the first part of the hour about how your family should or how you can get out and, and uh, travel the world but have these different sources of income. Well, you need to know this. If you stay in the same time zone, the opportunity for you to be able to just have a normal life except you're waking up you know, an hour earlier or staying awake an hour later, because when you look at Panama, Costa Rica, it's about the same as the central part of the United States. You look at Ecuador, it's what, Pacific time zone, or maybe it's you know, one hour off depending on daylight savings. In any case, you have a much lower cost of living. You can now create the background that looks like it's downtown Los Angeles or downtown Anaheim and guess really where you are. Well, nobody has to know. Now, we started this. This is kind of fascinating to me. We started this years ago with a client 
she is a physician and she lives in Europe. I won't give the exact country, but it's one of the Eastern European countries because that's where her family is from. And she went to visit and she said, listen, as a doctor, I can be paid to do the telemedicine because that's one of her specialties. And she does the rounds in the hospital. And she does it after the kids have gone to sleep. So the kids have gone to bed. Her husband has a job. He he works with a a company that is headquartered there. Even though it's a U.S. company, it's working there. Kids go to bed. She finishes her evening stuff. And she begins, which is now 7 or 8 or 9 o'clock in the morning, she begins the rounds that you would be doing. So how does it work? The nurse walks around with an iPad, uh, one of the... the, uh, I guess, tablet-type computers on a, on a device. They plug in uh, the blood pressure and the oxygen levels. By doing so, all of that reading goes back into her home computer. So she's sitting there at her desk with her white coat on. She's sitting there at her desk with a nice background of medical books. So it looks like they're smart, right? All these people, <laughs> they look at legal books or books that I've written. So she has that stuff in the background. Makes her look like she's important because she is. And she gives diagnosis. Nurse, can you please do this? Ma'am, why don't you open your mouth? And Okay, uh, let me see. Move that camera in a little closer. Okay, let me look at the, the list of medications you're taking. They go through the normal exam process. The nurse is their hands, uh, hands-on part of the, the program. But what really makes a difference is the pay that she is giving uh, getting. Because we looked at this. We looked this up. I did, actually, because I was interested was more than the president of the country in which she was living. In other words, her wages were more than the president of the country where she is currently living. Now, you might think, well, yeah, a lot of people make more than the president of the United States. It's, what, a half a million dollars a year or something, and certainly a lot more physicians in the United States make that. But here's a lady that works from home. She's a physician. They get to have a lifestyle that's generally low-key. They don't broadcast where they are. They don't broadcast to the world. And yet her husband still has his career. Kids still have a life learning bilingual course education. So as you are retiring, you might have a skill set that is in need. Now, it might be the five years before you retire or five years afterwards where you haven't completely adjusted. And and what I say adjusted is downsize your expenses. You haven't got to the place where you say, you know, we're now going to be spending much less than we made. Maybe it's time to let some of your accounts grow. Maybe it's time to have something like your annuities continue to to accrue interest. Because remember, fixed annuities and fixed index annuities have a compounding uh, feature. That means you're earning interest on interest on interest. And that goes on for as long as you have the account. You don't have to start taking money out. And by doing so, you've built in a place where you have multiple sources of income, but you're waiting four years, three years. So meanwhile, you're turning on the source of income from Social Security. Maybe you're delaying that. There's a little bit of a primer for you. Remember, in Social Security, the longer you wait, it's about 8% per year. So if your Social Security check is $1,000 and you wait a year, it's going to be about 1080 That means your family, you, receives an 8% pay raise. Because once you turn on Social Security, it's over. You're not going to have an increase of... Well, certainly not more than 1% or 2% a year every five years. That's the history anyway. So I want you to delay turning on these sources of income, as we say turning on, which means beginning, until you're ready. 
And living overseas gives you that lifestyle. Now, look, I've covered this before, but it's very important to remember. In the United States today, Roth IRAs, Roth 401ks, certain municipal bonds, certain income that is tax-free, whether it's state or federal, here in the United States, may not be tax-free in Panama, may not be tax-free in England, may not be tax-free in Germany. So wherever you might live, the Roth IRA rules, which apply to the United States, are very rarely enforced or allowed in Portugal, for example. So look to see when you are creating this source of, of income, if you are officially a resident of the, other, of the other country, as opposed to a visitor, right? You could sign up for whatever visa you might choose. But if you are using a place such as uh, the, the overseas visa pensioner type accounts, because remember, as a pensioner in certain places, you receive discounts. But when you cross that line and say, and I'm a resident, we would call it a green card resident here in the United States, and you now are subject to taxation rules of that country. So when it comes to planning those golden years, always ask, should you retire abroad or here? Ask every single question down the list, meaning, is my health care supported? Do I have to pay taxes on this income? Can I continue to earn money? Because a lot of other countries are interested in having you come there, but just spend money, not take a job, right? It's the reason Florida did so well. Florida did so well because they said, come on over to Florida, all of you retirees. You're not going to take a job, but you're going to spend a lot of money. You're going to spend your pension from the city of Boston or your social security check based on income from Minneapolis. No problem. Come to Florida, spend it. But you're not going to take a job. So a lot of foreign countries are the same way. They want your money to spend. They want you to be a consumer, but they don't want you to take a job. So if you're going to be somebody that takes a job, you may lose certain benefits. So you just have to know whether or not it makes sense for you, should you do it or not. Research those things because retirement offers individuals, you, me, the chance to settle down. And if that part-time work is a part of it, it's a big deal. All right, what about that ta- uh, the taxes that I've talked about? Well, always meet with the tax professional. There's a recent case of a, of a private bank who was also offering some tax advice in Mexico. Remember, I've covered private banks and public banks. And the private bank in Mexico said, if you bring your money here, we will pay you this astronomical interest rate. Remember, United States, we're not paying high interest rates right now. But a private bank in Mexico was offering three or four times the interest. So instead of 2%, it was 5 or 6%. And they said, listen, this, the currency is stable. I'm going to move a million dollars here into, into the Mexican bank. They were dealing with a lady who was educated in the United States, spoke English fluently. There wasn't any question with any of the contracts. Everything was fine until they showed up one day. And they found out this lady embezzled about $11 million of Americans, mostly Americans, but some Canadians, money. What is the recourse? Nothing. There's no FDIC insurance. There's no Securities Exchange Commission. There's no uh, any law enforcement arm. They all just kind of eh, put their arms in the air and said, nice try. Too bad. So sorry. So when I talk about having an account in 
the foreign country, I'm happy with that. I want you to have an account in Mexico or Panama or Ecuador or Philippines or Malaysia, wherever it is that you are. But keep your main source of money, keep that big chunk of money right here in the United States, whether it's Bank of America or Wells Fargo or Chase or your credit union. Today, you can establish on a computer, you can do the transfers. And I don't want you to have all of your eggs in the basket in that foreign country because unfortunately things happen. Countries are not as stable. They don't have the same source, if you will, of backup, security, safety, protection. And you can't afford to go back to work. Now, here's what I like, and I'm going to give this as a little tip for you, and you can use this even here in the United States. You know how you can go to the big box stores and you can get those uh, debit cards. You know, it's Christmas time. It's, it's holiday time. Here's a $500 gift card or $250 gift card. And it looks like a Visa or a MasterCard. It's a debit card. Even American Express is now, now doing it. I want you to consider having a bunch of those as opposed to a credit card that runs $10,000 limit, for example. So that if you're using your credit card, your visa, whether it's online in a foreign country or even here in the United States, frankly, you can use it anywhere. That visa debit card has a maximum of $500. Now, you can call and add money onto it, right? It drops down to below $100. You could say, hi there, put another $500 on my this uh, disposable debit card. So your risk of loss, if there's fraud or forgery or or some sort of involvement, it isn't going to take down your entire bank account. Consider it like a a stopgap of, in this case, $500, right? You're not in a position to lose your life savings. I don't want you to do that. We see this on an ongoing basis with people that are using local uh, internet, internet cafes, uh, free Wi-Fi. We have some level of protection in the United States, but in most foreign countries, it doesn't exist. You're going to be stuck with the position of saying how much of my money is going to be tied to this code and and internet stuff that I'm uh, accessing. So did I just give whoever has the the access to the internet uh, codes, if you will, my entire bank account information? Maybe not. Because part of what you and your family have to look at is how you are going to be in a position so you don't run out of money in retirement. And I think fraud and forgery is something that can really end up uh, eliminating, or in this case, hurting you substantially. If you stay tuned, there's been some new changes in the, in, uh, the current rules. Listen, our show is going to always have the most updated information that we have found, not just by the letter of the law, but there are changes that happen behind the scenes where we have clients that have moved to Portugal, the Philippines, Mexico, some that have moved back to Canada, plenty that have moved back to certain Caribbean countries. I don't want you to be somebody who travels there and ends up losing your life savings. So how do you make sure you're, you're protecting it? Well, look, if you're retiring inside of the United States, it's expensive. Healthcare is expensive. So where would I go if you like certain features that the United States has to offer? In other words, where would I go if I like the the desert or if I like the dry climate or the ocean? Well, we've talked about the Gulf of Mexico. We've talked about uh, everything from 
from Texas to Alabama to Mississippi. Orange Beach, Alabama is a beautiful place. You want to think that you're, you're in, I don't know, the French Riviera? Take a look at some of those places where you have quality outside living. Now, listen, of course there's hurricanes that come maybe once a year, maybe once every couple of years. So you know that they're coming. It's not like an earthquake. My friends that live in those places say, oh, Arif, yeah, but earthquakes can happen at any minute. At least we have time to batten down the hatches, get in the car and drive north. At least we have time to, to get in a plane and go to another place or you know, drive 300 miles to the north and be done with it. So there is a, comp- a component of inconvenience. But a retiring inside of California, not only do you have the disadvantages of the United States, which is you know, the rising care of uh, health care costs, not only the ability to, if you will, be stuck in traffic and and a quality of life that isn't comfortable. But when you're in California with the new changes in law enforcement, the district attorney, new changes in defund the police, new changes in the variety of movements that are happening with most people in life, uh, look, this isn't the place to be. I wish it wasn't that way. In fact, there's a part of me that's angry about it. Right? I was born and raised, born in Hollywood, grew up in the Valley. What's the difference between somebody like me who loves this country, who's been a part of this state as a citizen, born and raised. And now you feel like they they force you out. You either have to comply and be called a racist, be called all sorts, or you have to leave. And for a lot of people are saying, listen, enough is enough. For many of you, you're not a political animal. But when they attach a dollar figure to the names they call you, when they attach a dollar figure to how they're going to tax you, Because they call you rich and you say, well, I'm just trying to get by. Remember, we've talked about this. When you are living this life where they say, we're going to pass this rule and it's going to tax the rich. And they use words like fair share. I told you the F word in our family is fair. If I want to take from you, if I want to subjugate you, if I want to imprison you, all I have to do is use the word fair. If I want to steal from you and make it legal, uh, fair. If I want to create an opportunity for me and my family to take from you by not an effort, by not working, by not a negotiation, but instead by using the strong arm of the, the political class, let me just use the word fair. Because most of you think that word is good. Yes, fair. We should be fair. Fair. Everybody loves that word. And then you sign up for the bill and you turn around and you look over your left shoulder and over your right and you say, wait a second, why is everybody coming after me? Why are the pitchforks and the torches coming to my house? I'm on your side. No, no, no. You are the rich. Because they never define it. And when the left never defines the word rich or unfair or privilege or whatever the latest game is, then it is just like Robespierre in France. The French Revolution that occurred after the the United States, you just look around and you say, yes, let's go get them. Yes, go get them. And guess whose head was on the chopping block at the end? The same people, because this, this animal got out of control. And if you stay in California, maybe the United States, depending on if Biden is, well, it depends. Really, I should say Kamala Harris. And if at the end of the story... 
California, in my opinion, has to collapse before they will do anything about it. And the new tax is coming down because the federal government is going to give California money. Instead of telling the little children, hey, you have to behave, get your stuff in order, they're going to give them another credit card. They're going to give them some more alcohol or drugs. Whatever the addiction problem is that you can put as a metaphor in your mind, that's exactly what's going to happen. So it creates a bigger liability, a bigger debt. And what is the one thing you can't take out of California? You can take the job. You can take your income. But you can't take your real estate. So the recent assault on trying to tax or to, to separate you from them, well, you're fine. You know, we're not going to tax you. But what we're going to do is we're going to go after those, those big developers and those business owners and those big corporations that own that commercial real estate. That's who we're going to go after. So that was on the, t- on the ballot. Thankfully, it didn't pass. But next time it will or the next time after that it will. Because they will convince you that you're a victim. They will convince you that they have taken from you. And the only way to get yours back is to go after them. Now you say, well, Arif, what does that mean? Well, here's what it means. Financially, you will plan on staying in California. They will tax real estate, which will come to you because the cost of goods and services will go up, period. It has to. And if you are somebody that makes a living on rental property, because the next adventure after they they go after and attack commercial buildings is to go after your rental properties, not your primary residence. Oh, yeah, everybody should have their own home, but you're the rich and they're going to go after you. So it's going to be your rental property. The next after that, of course, will be your primary residence. So what are we now? Around 2,000 people, 2,100 people a day that leave the state of California. And it's been that way for about 18 months. 2,179, if I'm, if I'm not mistaken, per day leave the state of California. And when they do, guess what? We can still help them. Because Total Financial Solutions and TFS Financial Insurance Services, we're licensed across the country, and our job is to help you. Reliable retirement income. If we can do that, we can give you a steady stream of of support. Look, most importantly, it's going to be peace of mind. Hey, thanks for listening. Thanks for being a part of the Total Financial Hour. I'm Arif Halaby. It's 888-99-RETIRE. That's 888-997-3847. Learn about financial power, the Total Financial Hour.